to the Lady Preacher Podcast, a podcast for the progressive Christian, where we talk about an all-loving God, an embodied Christ, and an ever-moving spirit. Dive right in as we wrestle with what it means to live out our faith in the world. Hello, my friend. Thank you for being here today. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge before we get started that the day I'm recording this is Saturday, October 10th, and today is Mental Health Awareness Day. I'll touch on this a little bit in today's message as we dive into our parable for the day. But if you are someone who struggles with mental health, I want to encourage you to reach out if you need to reach out. Build yourself a support system on a good day so that it is there for you on the bad days. I know as someone who struggles with mental health as well, that this is easier said than done, but I am always so grateful when I'm in the midst of the deep waters of anxiety or depression, when I have a system in place that can support me, when I have a therapist, a life coach, Yoga is something that has helped me dance. When I build structures in my life that have really supported me, when I've built them on the good days, they're there for me on the hard days. And so I want to encourage you that if today is a good day or maybe another day to find and create structure for yourself so that it's there to catch you on the days that you're falling. And please know that you are not alone, that mental health is something that one in five people struggle with. It can feel really lonely, but we are not alone and there's no shame. I know a lot of us feel a lot of shame around this, but you are sacred and you are holy with all of who you are. God loves you and is with you in the depths. We'll hear some more of this in our message that's coming on Wednesday. I had the immense privilege of interviewing a really incredible woman and pastor, Reverend Sarah Lund, and she will share with us some of her story and her experience with family and her theological revelations around mental health. And so I hope that this week and these messages encourage you and remind you that you're not alone. As we dive in today, I'm going to be reading the parable of the Good Samaritan. So this is a familiar one. You may feel like you know it by heart or maybe you don't know it at all. But I encourage you to hear this story this morning or today, (laughs) whatever time you're listening to this, to hear it with open ears, open hearts, open mind. We are reading today from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And this is from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, 
a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw the man, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. If you would please pray with me. Gracious and holy God, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your encouragement to us to love and serve our neighbor. But may this parable today remind us that we are also a neighbor and we can also allow others to be neighbors to us. May today's story open our ears, open our hearts and open our mind and fill our well today. Amen. I don't know about you, but I am not always great about asking for help. It's really hard for me to admit when I don't have something on my own that I need help, that I need advice, that I need support, uh, that I can't do something on my own. And it, even with God, I think we're this way with God too, that, you know, we want to say, I've got this. It's okay, God. I've got it. I've got it on my own. We're quite a stubborn bunch as humans. And I think that's why when we read this story, we tend to really identify with the Good Samaritan. We want to believe that we are the helper in this story. We want to believe in our own goodness. We want to believe that we would not be like the priest or the Levite who walked right on by. We are the good Samaritan, the good hearted person who sees someone in need and stops to help them. We want to be the helper which is great. I think that's good. And, and that's a message that we often need to hear. We often need to hear that we need to be the one to stop and care for our neighbor. And I know I've, I've preached many a sermon like that. But when we identify only with the Samaritan in the story, that means this parable is pretty neat and tidy, right? We just know that we are to go and do likewise, as Jesus says at the end. But if there's anything we know about parables by now, it's that parables are meant to challenge us. They're meant to open our eyes and open our hearts wider than they were before. And so what is it about this parable? How can we turn this parable on its head? And so that we are hearing it in the way that the people with Jesus in this moment, as he's telling the story, would have heard it. What is what is the challenge about it? And so I want to invite you, what if instead of identifying with the Samaritan, that means we've got to put our, our helper aside. What if instead of identifying with the Samaritan, we identify with the man in the ditch? We are the one who has been beaten and robbed and left in the ditch. 
And maybe you've been here before. Maybe you have been literally or figuratively in the ditch of life. I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast recording that this is Mental Health Awareness Day, the day that I am recording this. And I was just reflecting, I I posted something on my social media about it, how I identify as one in five who struggles with mental health. And I know that there are days when I feel like I... I'm half dead laying in a ditch somewhere. And even on those days, and maybe especially on those days, it's really hard to ask for help. And I want to be clear here. There's no shame in that, right? We've all been there. With this particular story, I want us to imagine what it would be like to be this man who has been robbed and is lying in this ditch, praying, hopefully, that someone shows mercy on him and stops to help. And so in our story, two people walk by, right? We've got the priest who walks by and we hope knowing if we know this person is a priest that they will stop, but they don't. And then a Levite, who's uh, another form of religious leader, walks by and also doesn't help. And we don't know why. We don't know why they don't stop to help. Martin Luther King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King offers this interpretation that maybe they were afraid You know, this man was attacked by robbers on this road. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho was not necessarily the safest road in the world. And so maybe they were afraid. Maybe they were afraid if they did this to this man, am I putting myself in danger by stopping? Or maybe he's faking it. And if I stop to help, then I'll get attacked. So we don't know. We, We don't know why they didn't stop. But what we do know is that in storytelling, there's the rule of thirds, right? If the first two don't work, we know that the third one likely will. Be pretty rare in storytelling for three things to go wrong and the fourth thing to go right. So if one and two fail, we can trust that the third person who comes along will be the one to help. And so sure enough, that happens. But this is where it gets a little tricky because for Jesus and his first century audience, they would assume that the third person who comes along next is a good Israelite. Throughout scripture, these three are often paired together, a priest, a Levite, and Israelite. And so for Jesus's audience, a Jewish audience, they're going to assume that this third person is going to be a good Israelite. But that would be a little too neat and tidy, right? We know with parables, especially that Jesus often turns things on their head. And so what does Jesus do? But says that it's not an Israelite who comes along, but it's a Samaritan. And to understand why this is Jesus tipping things on their head, we have to understand the relationship between Israelites and Samaritans. There's quite a little bit of history here. Not a little bit. There's quite a bit of history here. I won't go into all of it. I am not a history buff. So I encourage you, if you're curious about this, to Google Samaritans and the relationships they had with people who were Jewish um, around the time that Jesus lived. But Uh, Suffice it to say that they did not get along. In fact, oftentimes Israelites would surpass the area of Samaria as they were making journeys. They did not get along, like just enemy territory, right? And so for Jesus to say that it was a Samaritan who came up, I want you to think for a moment, if you were that person in the ditch, you're an Israelite in the ditch, what would be your assumption about this person who is a Samaritan walking by? Would you assume that they helped you or that they would help you? Would you assume that they're going to stop? Would you assume that they're just going to walk on by because they're Samaritan and you're an Israelite? 
would you even want them to stop and help you? Hmm. I want you to even notice that at the end of this passage, this parable, when Jesus is closing it up and he asks the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer says, the one who showed him mercy. He can't even say it was a Samaritan, right? He doesn't even want to put that word in his mouth. He just says the one who showed him mercy. And so this gives us a a clear idea of how much these two groups struggled with each other. And so what's more important in this moment? As this third person comes along, this person who, if you are the one in the ditch, this person who you have a lot of preconceived notions about, you don't believe there's necessarily any good among this group of people, among the Samaritans. So what's more important to you in this moment when you're in the ditch? What's more important, your life or your rivalry? What's more important? Would you want them to stop and help you? And so I want to ask, once this person does stop and help, what does this do to our preconceived notions about this particular group of people? Think of of a group of people that you struggle with. What would happen to your perception of that group of people if one person from that group was the one to stop and help you? Who is your neighbor in this moment? Who acted as a neighbor in this moment? The people who walked on by, who are part of your community, who you would have expected to help? Or is it the person who you really didn't want to admit that they were your neighbor? Let's go back for a moment to the beginning of this story. So the lawyer has asked, how do I inherit eternal life? And so Jesus says to him, what, what do you know of the Bible? He's a lawyer, which means he's pretty well read. He understands the law. He understands the Torah. So he answers, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you're right. Do this and you will live. Notice he says, you will live, not gain eternal life. It's about how we're living here on this day, in this moment. But the lawyer wants to justify himself. And so he asks Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Let's think about this question for a moment. Who is my neighbor? Because for me, this is really just a polite way of saying who is not my neighbor, right? He's trying to get an understanding of who do I have to love as myself? Or who do I not have to love as myself? That's kind of the the unspoken question, right? Where can I draw the boundary? Who do I not have to worry about? Who can I distance myself from? Who does not count as neighbor? And I know we all ask this question at various times in our lives, right? Who can I, whose needs can I ignore? Or whose needs are less important? Is there a hierarchy of neighbor in our hearts or in our lives? 
What's typical in these moments is the person's asking the wrong question, which becomes apparent at the end of the story, especially when Jesus says, who acted as a neighbor, who was a neighbor? Because for Jesus, the message he's trying to explain is that there's no such thing as someone who is not your neighbor. There is no boundary here. There is no line drawn in the sand, right? We are all neighbors in God's kingdom. And so what is important is how we treat one another, how we act as neighbors. And so what Jesus is doing in this story, what God is doing in this moment is if you are this person in the ditch and it is your enemy walking by who stops to help you and cares for you and brings you back to life, what God is doing in this moment is not only climbing into the ditch with you, not only healing your wounds, but also healing the rift between your community and this other community. What God is doing is working through this enemy of yours, this perceived enemy of yours, and bringing you healing and also bringing the community's healing. What God is doing here is reminding us that we need each other, my friends. We need each other. There is no us and them. It is only we. And we are called to be neighbors to each other because we all have days, like I was saying at the beginning, we all have days where we are the one in the ditch. And it, when it comes to our life or our rivalry, what is most important is life. Do this and you will live. When we can open our hearts enough, when we can expand our hearts enough, when God softens our hearts, like God softened the heart of Pharaoh just briefly, then it opens up so much more of the world so that we can realize that we are all God's kingdom. We are all connected. We all need one another. This person who you may have severely distanced yourself from, they are your neighbor. I have to take a moment to pause because my cat has just laid down on top of my notes. This person whom you have distanced yourself from, they are your neighbor. They are the one to show you kindness and mercy and grace. God has acted through them to care for you. And so God is widening our understanding of who our neighbor is by challenging us to see that even the person whom we don't want to admit is our neighbor is our kin. We need each other, my friends. And we also need God. God is at work within you, within our world, through all of us. Because like I said, some days we are the ones in the ditch. And maybe other days we are the helper. Other days we are the good Samaritan. But either way, this is a call to go and do likewise. To go and be willing to receive help. Even from those who we may not want it from to be able to reach out both to those in need and then acknowledge when we are the ones in need. Because my friend, we are all neighbors in God's neighborhood. We all need each other and depend on each other and depend on God. Even when we don't want to, even when we don't think we need it, we do. And I think this goes 
even for our own hearts, our own spirits, our own minds, right? Sometimes we can be our own enemy. But God is calling us to wholeness, to wellness, bringing us back to life, pulling us out from the ditch and reminding us that we are loved. God is there acting through the hands and heart of the Samaritan and of the innkeeper, carrying us into life. And so my friend, I hope that today you remember that you are a neighbor in God's neighborhood, that you deserve love and care just as everyone else deserves love and care. May you go forth knowing that you are a beloved child of God and everyone else is too. Amen. My friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so grateful for you. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. The Lady Preacher podcast is part of a nonprofit called Dancing Pastor Ministries. And you can find us online at dancingpastor.org or join the community by finding us on Facebook at Dancing Pastor Ministries. If you would like to be a part of supporting this podcast, there are many ways you can do that without giving monetarily. You can share our posts on social media, send an episode to a friend, or just leave a review. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so at dancingpastor.org slash give. My friend, you are a gift. Thank you for being here and God bless.